Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the There It Is podcast, a great source for comedy nerds everywhere. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Hey, this is the month-old episode, or the we're a month old now. Yay, we're a month old. Uh, it's a fun episode. I have a great talk with UCB's Douglas Wittick, who is in the fantastic hip-hop improv group North Coast as well as the killer sketch group Pop Roulette. We talk about discipline and practice. Practice? Not a game, but practice? Yes, practice. We talk about that, and uh, we have the typical good time one has when you talk to someone as great as Doug. This is a good chat for learning about mental focus when trying to work on something, or just the culture that goes along with discipline. It's a real fun and good chat. We get into some uh, nerdy things, uh, but we always have a good time. Then uh, we make a silly song at the end. It's all coming up right after this. Are you ready for this? Your company's name here has all of the hottest products or services you provide that you've been looking for. Enjoy a benefit related to your product and the opportunity to have your product for half the price. Yes, half the price. Or whatever deal your company has paid for me to announce. Now is the time to buy from your company name here. And you'd better do it quickly because products are leaving the shelves, lots, web store, company name, a sponsor you can hear about because they bought ad time on my podcast by going to thereitis.com and contacting me to discuss buying ad time. So you're in New York. You're doing a ton of stuff in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, how long have you been in New York? I have been in New York for eight years now. Yeah, good time, good time. Uh, where were you before that? I was in Florida. Uh, so I came to New York June 08. So I just actually hit my eight-year anniversary this Congrats. month. Thank you very much. And I started classes at UCB that summer. And um, before that, I was at a performing arts high school in Palm Beach County called Dreyfus School of the Arts. Oh, wow. Is that yeah. where you're originally from? Florida? I'm from Yeah, I'm from Boca Raton, Florida, actually. <laughs> okay, okay. I've not it's been to Boca, but I've heard a lot about it. Oh, yeah. It's famous and infamous. infamous. <laughs> <laughs> from knowing you, I know that you started doing music at a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I started playing guitar when I was like six years old. And then started playing drums when I was like nine or ten, like fifth wow. grade. Uh, but that was around when I started doing like those kind of you know you you know how it is like in fifth grade acting classes. It's like we're gonna play you know games the whole time, and no one really does a monologue. We just kind of play. <laughs> uh, so that's what what I that was my first kind of real acting by actually no that's a, that's a lie. I was in some school plays before that, but. Um, but yeah, I think I got bit by the music and the acting bug at around the same time. But I started taking music lessons when I was like six years old. That's yeah. great. Yeah. When did comedy come into the fold? When did a desire to do comedy come in the fold for you? Well, in my middle school, uh, I went to a middle school of the arts as well. And there was a teacher named Mr. Valentine. And he had an improv class that was so popular that kids couldn't get into it. And it was all short form, and they would do shows. And it was like middle schoolers doing full-on short form shows. And uh, I, di I didn't get into it because I was in the jazz band class. And uh. it like it, I was like, oh, oh. So then I took his summer classes. And it was just like so hot. Everyone wanted to do um, short form improv. Everyone was so into it. And it was like kind of like the same thing as being like in a cool band. 
like where you're like hot, like a hot person, if you do improv or, or if, in a normal school, if you in a band, you're kind of like, ooh, he's like cute or whatever. Right, I feel right. like in my school, it was like, if you do improv, you were the cutie. Uh, and there was that component of it, too. So I was like doing really good in jazz band, but really wishing I was really wishing I was in the improv classes. And that's and I didn't even know what long form was at that point. I had heard of what a herald was, but I didn't know I didn't know that there was this whole world. I, I knew I loved SNL and I knew I loved doing improv, but I didn't know that of you know, if you wanted to do improv and sketch, there was this other world. So when I was sixteen, I was at a I was at a summer camp at Circle in the Square mm-hmm. uh, in New York City. And I saw the Spelling Bee musical like three times. Uh, the, I won the lottery just all, constantly because there was no one, there was no one going to the lottery for that show. So I kept winning tickets. So I went and I asked the woman who was playing Logan Schwartz and Grubinier in that production of Spelling Bee. I asked her, "Where is the best improv in New York?" And I. I had never been to UCB. I had seen the show, but I had never been to UCB. And I had never heard of the pit. And she told me about UCB and the pit. So I went to um, I went to UCB and saw Ascat when I was 16. Wow. And my mind was completely blown. And, and that I was when? Heard, that was when I was 16 years old. It was 2006. Oh, okay. 2006, okay. Yeah. And I saw Chris Gethard tell this long story about having bed bugs and about having like garbage piled up in his college dorm. And we were just all so grossed out, but we loved it. Um, and and I just remember being like, oh my God, every time I come to New York, I have to go to UCB. Feeling like that. And seeing that the D- DCM was happening and being like, oh my God, that looks so cool. Everything, I, the website looks so cool. Everything looks so cool. And I I had heard of tr- the book Truth and Comedy, but then I read it and I was just like, oh my God. It was like, it was like a major come to Jesus moment when I read Truth and Comedy. Yeah, that sounds a lot like my experience with... Um with comedy too, where growing up I loved SNL. I knew I wanted to be an actor. Yeah. Uh, then in college, I took an improv class, but I had no idea that there was this other world mm-hmm. until I saw the ASCAT DVD. Right. Which is, I think, around the time you saw ASCAT, uh, and that's when it was definitely a come to Jesus moment for me too, because I was I saw that and said, "What? I need to be doing this. I want to bring this to Greenville." Uh, yeah. Then then Alchemy brought it to Greenville, which I was uh, at first a little like, ah, I wanted to be the guy to bring it, but I was glad that right. they brought it. Right. Shout out um, to Harris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, all that's really been a uh, all my experience here in comedy has really been a dream, like a literal dream come true. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, so you uh, moved to New York. You start taking classes at UCB. Yeah. June 08. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wasn't on any teams until right. February 09. Right. So I know how large the company is now and how large the school is now as far as students is concerned. How big uh, was it in 08? It was big, but UCB East didn't exist, and mm-hmm. there was no uh, big pit theater. So it felt smaller, and I know people always talk about their, you know, Four years ago was like when it was perfect. That's like the big joke. Um, but I really liked, I felt, I I personally felt more like I knew everybody. Like I had a chance at getting on the stage more, which I actually do feel now, now that I have so much experience. But back then, I genuinely felt like, oh, if I really work hard at this, like I'll know how to, like I'll, I'll get on stage, I'll, I'll know Shannon O'Neill, like I'll know these other people who are so established here. I, I felt like um, certain things were more attainable when the numbers were different. And I, I remember like, yeah, the lines were long for shows but they weren't what they are now dcm is a is a madhouse now back then it was still it was still pretty big but like i remember right around the time i started there were like two or three 
big New York Times write-ups that just like you could feel the the students like pouring into the theater and also the old training center felt a little bit more uh one-on-one in terms of all that stuff but I mean UCB I still stand behind it entirely because they're so dedicated to their curriculum and they're so dedicated to their philosophy on comedy so they won't abandon what they believe like they won't do some show that's like super ironically detached they won't do some show that um doesn't play dumb smart like they always find ways to adhere to the principles that they teach in the classes and uh, i i'm still like very much a company man in that regard i mean i'm on mod i i i still take at least one class every year i mean back in the day i would take like five to seven so um i mean i once got on my list of classes and it's like i don't know it's like in the 30s i think oh wow uh, it's just, I mean, it was back then it was like a crazy obsession. And now it's like, I'm too busy doing comedy, which is like a good problem to have. So Yeah, I have heard that about their curriculum. I mean, some people will say, get that on your resume that you went there. But other people are saying, like, like people who've been through the curriculum are saying, it's just a legitimately good curriculum. Yeah, it is a legitimately good curriculum. Yeah, so I I'd love to take it one day myself. Now you have uh, you've you you've you're in North Coast, which you co-founded. Uh, how long has North Coast been around? North Coast has been together for seven years now, and uh, James came up with the concept, and I was there for the ride since the beginning. That's amazing. I didn't know it was uh, that long. Yeah, seven years. Well, I met James February 09, and I think the first practice groups were in like March or April. We have all the emails. We like went through them one day when we were feeling very nostalgic. But it was like March or April 09 that everything started. And it was like a practice group at Fordham University where James was the, he was like the head of the RAs. Like he wasn't an RA. He was like the one that RA. Resident director. Yeah, there we go. RD. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, that's when those first, we were just freestyling practice groups happened. So yeah. Yeah, so for people who don't know that are listening, it's it, North Coast is a hip-hop improv, improv group where you have a beatboxer. I, recently, I had Kayla on, so this, yeah. this is the same group we're talking about. And mm-hmm. uh, you all are freestyling and improvising, so it's improvising music and improvising <laughs> improv comedy. In its inception... Has it always been this sort of form, or has it molded a little bit over the years? It's definitely molded over the years, but the one thing that hasn't changed is the opener. So we've done the wrapped scene painting since the very beginning, mm. uh, which is our op- our opener that we've done. We've refined it, for sure, but... I feel like um, the show itself has definitely changed dramatically because we've added so many skill sets to it. And by skill sets, I just mean things on our tool belt. So we'll go into group game slow jams now, group game um, deaf poetry jams. We'll go into... one person raps, one person doesn't. We'll go into all sorts of things that are our tools to keep the show feeling fresh in the moment. Yeah, it's something else, too, for people to watch. Uh, what is... How, how does someone get good? <laughs> At, if they... I mean, were you rapping before you joined this group? Yeah, I, mean, I messed around in high school, for sure. We would all sit in circles and freestyle and uh join it well we met in a musical improv class james and i so we were freestyling in the warm-ups in that class so then we um we were you know that that reawoke kind of what i was doing in high school when we would all freestyle in a circle and i had always been the person that was like making up songs right i had always been someone who was like Look, it's my friend David. He's the best guy in town. And just, I'm a weird person. I like to (laughs) make up songs when I see people. And those would coincidentally rhyme at times. And so that skill of rhyming was something I had always kind of done. But we got really serious about it really fast in North Coast. Uh, We heeded the advice of our first coach, Glennis McMurray, who's now named Glennis McCarthy, uh, who she's married to the stand-up Matt McCarthy out in L.A. now. And she was a member of the well, well well-renowned 
Aie Pandas musical improv group that if you never saw Aie Pandas, there's just no replacing the experience. It was the best musical improv in New York for many years. Um, they still inspire me to this day to do better musical improv. And uh, that was Eliza Skinner and Glennis McCarthy. And Glennis was our first coach and came up with the wrapped scene painting idea. Oh, wow. And that's such a... From a... From if, if someone doesn't know improv and they see the show, the thing that's going to really stick out to them is, oh, that beatboxer is amazing and they're freestyle rapping amazing rhymes. Uh, and then it's funny. Uh, mm-hmm. But for an improviser, of course, all those things are still amazing. But then also the structure, because you see the uh, the tenets of an improv long form structure there but it's just yeah. done in a way improvisers hadn't seen really mm-hmm. and it's uh that and especially with that opening that a scene painting opening that doesn't feel at all like a scene painting opening it just feels like <laughs> listening to a song oh and then, thanks and this amazing scene is painted and it's it's really it's really quite good uh speaking of something is also quite good you are also a part of sketch group pop roulette mm-hmm and uh, right now you are currently running Amazing Earth? Yes. Yes, so we have a show running right now. How long will you be running that show? Uh, Amazing Earth, if all goes well with audience attendance, uh, I think it can run for a while at UCB. I, the shows I've been in at UCB have run anywhere between six to eight months. Okay. Dep- okay. If, the, if the show is like a smash and it's getting a lot of people in the butts and the seats, then typically the show will run between six to eight months. They've only cut stuff early when it's, like, really not working, and uh, the, the the audiences are leaving or whatever. But, uh, yeah, if if everything goes right, we'll, we'll do two shows a month for about six to eight months, and um, it's, it kind of depends on, like, the spanks that come in, because if we have a nice little run and then something else that's musical comes in, we might might be like, all right, well, that was a nice run. You know, you could still do it, but not here. Uh, but I think a big thing we're looking forward to is doing the show in L.A. Uh, at the UCB Theater out there as well. So, um, and we're, we got a music video coming out soon for our song, Sex With My Teacher. All right, when does that come out? Uh, well, we're shooting it on Tuesday with Comedy Central. Oh, cool. And, uh, it's a part of their Comics to Watch program. Yeah, I saw that you guys won that. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, so that's, that's another reason people need to be checking out what you're doing. Gotta check uh, it out. Yeah. Uh, so how long does it take for you to generate enough material to make a strong show to present like Amazing Earth? Well, Pop Roulette's been writing since the day we started, and we also wrote together before the day we started. We were all member of a company called The Reality Show at NYU, which was a musical sketch show for the Welcome Week mm-hmm. uh, program at NYU. So we have, a, in addition to the four years that we did together as Pop Roulette so far, we also have uh, two, three years as this company that did the reality show. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... um so I would say in terms of generating material, we're always writing. So the great thing about pop is that we probably have over 100 pieces now. So it doesn't ever feel like, okay, time to write. We've been writing. Right. So we have like huge backlog. So when we have to write, everyone brings in just a few things. And then we use the backlog. We use the new stuff. And... uh Luckily, I think we create a really fun table atmosphere to bring in material and everyone laughs a lot at each other's stuff. It's not an abusive energy. There's no like, ugh, when people are putting up their piece or anything like that. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I say that in terms of generating material, it's it's a pretty joyful experience. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, you, I've met a number of members of the team and I do see it being a, a joyful sort of atmosphere yeah it is um, so are you just sort of pairing together you're looking at the backlog and saying here's something we haven't done and you know these things work together well particularly for amazing earth our director said i think these songs can be weaved in through this narrative so we have a bunch of songs in the show that are stuff we've done for a long time and then we wrote two kind of newer ones the one that we wrote for the show is called amazing earth and it's the opening number but then we wrote dialogue that got us through some of the pop 
staples. And then there was one that's slightly newer that was be- going to become a pop staple, but we were doing it in our sketch review shows called Felt All the Feels. And it's making fun of internet, you know, how people post stuff. They're like, I'm feeling all the feels right now. <laughs> so uh, that's the closer. Actually, no, the closer is Beautiful Young, which is a pop staple. But... um but felt all the feels is one of the newer songs for the show. So when you're coming up with that narrative, I mean, is, does your director kind of take the lead on that, or do you all work together on that narrative? We all talk about it, and then Matt actually went and he's the one that wrote the dialogue in between. But we all talked about the narrative and how we wanted it to function for the show, which was this was a first actually writing a writing a narrative like that. Our sketch reviews were super collaborative in terms of like everybody wrote everything but matt is uh an incredible writer he studied at the dramatic writing program at nyu and he um took everybody's jokes and everybody's thoughts and everything and just kind of put them on the page that's uh it's it's really something great to see if anyone's uh, making their way to new york they should definitely check you all out you are also uh, on a mod team which is a sketch team at ucb mm-hmm. right that's the sketch division yeah, sketch division. Uh, what's uh, what's the difference between trying to create that kind of show that mm-hmm. doesn't have music, that isn't a, something that's necessarily backlog of a hundred different songs that the group has written? Uh, what's the difference with that, or what's the process of creating that kind of sketch show? Well, we have set writers, set performers, and a director. In Populet, everything's very um, is homogenous. The right word. Everybody does everything. Uh, uh, whereas at Maud Night, you if you're an actor, you're not really asked to write. You're asked to pitch. Uh, and if you're a if you're a writer, they like you might have a line in a sketch, but it's kind of like a leave it to the performers mentality. Uh, and at Maud, um, there there's the occasional music sketch. But it's more often a strict kind of game sketch where it's either weird world or weird person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I love mod. It's got a very um, decided cycle. So if pop roulette, our cycle is a little bit. We'll maybe write in the middle of blocking just because we need writing. But in mod, once you start blocking, you're not really writing as much. Right. So I. F- I feel like Maud is beautiful because it's kind of like a classic table to blocking to tech to performance setup. Yeah, like the typical theater setup. Right, Right. exactly. Ah, okay, cool. That's very neat. Uh, It's neat that you're doing all these different things. Oh, thank you so much, Jason. Yeah, it's really fun to get to perform with such talented people. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Except for the parts where we're all screaming at each other. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the uh, that's the sort of thing to, to honor and respect, I guess. It's the, the stage and then who you get to work with. Those are the, the, the big things. And, of course, uh, the performance itself is exhilarating. Exactly. How do you decide, oh, this particular bit isn't working, let's cut it? I mean, that's... Is, how much is that even happening with this sort of setup that you all have? And Mod? Yes. Uh, we have a director who decides all that for us. So we might say, oh, this is, doesn't feel good, but the director ultimately picks the sketches from pitch uh, and picks what is and isn't working, cuts things. So the, our director on Mod also serves as the head writer, which is a beautiful thing because... It, it just streamlines a lot of those difficult conversations you have when it's art by committee. So improv is beautiful because the head writer is the group mind. But once things start getting put to paper, ego starts to show up more. So you, um, it's 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 good that on mod it's a very strict process in terms of the director has final say. Yeah, that is a good thing. Um, and does the director's in in my uh, company, I'm coaching a sketch team, but I'm also on that sketch team. I imagine that it's not the case for Mod. Right. It's yeah. It's not the case. Yeah. It's a it's a, it's set different brackets of you know right. these are the performers, these are the writers, this is the director. 
Yeah, but I'm not I'm not vouching for one over the other right oh, now. Oh no, 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 no. I'm no, just no. saying that's how that is. And actually Pop Roulette, Matt's on the group and he's also the head writer slash director of Pop Roulette. Oh, okay. So more like your setup. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes I I, I almost would like it if I wasn't on the team and was just coaching and just could focus <laughs> on that. Yeah. Just from a performer standpoint, too many times I'm in a scene trying to work on, like, try to be a performer, and I'll say, like, oh, this thing was wrong. Like, my director brain is still not off. Yeah, that's hard to do. Yeah. So to a certain extent, I wish I was doing one or the other, but I certainly am not knocking <laughs> Yeah. either. I'm not knocking either um, or putting one above the other. Right. I was having a conversation with Alistair Cook about this. Uh, he's in Vancouver. Do you know him? I don't. He was saying that he he likes when he's producing to just produce so he can enjoy that. And when he's pr- improvising to just improvise so he can enjoy that. And I think it takes some humility to recognize that, that that's the right setup for you. Because I think the initial knee-jerk thing is to like, I can do it all. I can produce. I can act in it. I can direct it. But then you, you realize, well, what am I compromising here? And when you compromise the potential joy of performance that shows in the final product you can see that on your face so it's important to strike a balance oh oh for sure so um i'm wondering how many practices do you have with each group with populate with north coast and with your mod team mod meets um during the writing cycles I will total mod meets, it goes pitch, writers, 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 table read, actors, 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 tech. So that's eight meetings a month, but actors don't have to be at the writers' meetings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then for Pop Roulette, we meet every Wednesday at 6.30. Okay. And then we used to meet twice a week, but life happened. Yeah. Uh, and then North Coast meets every other week, Saturdays, four to se- uh, five to seven. And our show's at nine, but we we if we if we wanted we could like just glide North Coast, but we didn't get to where we are by not rehearsing. Exactly, yeah. How much were you rehearsing at the beginning? Uh, every week for years, for like four years, we rehearsed every single week. Now, how many rehearsals do you think you get in? Like, let's say you're a writer, so we'll just say not a writer, but a uh, an actor on mod. Uh, and then, you know, with Populate and North Coast as well, how many practices are you getting in before uh, a show? Well, Populate has a big show. We'll meet extra times, but um, it, it just depends on the show. Like Amazing Earth, we met a bunch of extra times to make sure it was right. So I would say that for your typical sketch show, once all the scripts are finalized, three to four rehearsals, is standard Mm -hmm. but if you want if it's a musical piece and it requires choreography then i would vouch for more i would vouch i'd vouch for five but i come from the theater world where eight hour rehearsals every day for two weeks is good so i just worked on a review for a sketch a musical sketch show that had nothing to do with my groups and we met every day for eight hours Mm -hmm. and that was for one week so that was five eight hour days Mm -hmm. and to me I was like, yes, this is the best. I love yeah. being overprepared because then once you perform, it's a very zen experience right. because you're not consciously competent. You're unconsciously competent in the moment and you get to really enjoy the connection with the audience instead of worrying yeah. about your connection with the material. Yeah, that reminds me of a quote a buddy of mine uh mentioned to me once years ago. He's, he's a musician and he said, mm-hmm. uh, musicians... Uh, well, I guess it's not musicians, it's anybody, but he was saying uh, amateurs practice until they get it right and professionals practice until they can't get it wrong. That's that's beautiful. I love it. I've loved it since he, since I heard him say it. Uh, and that's true. I, I come from that sort of background, too, of no practicing every day for hours. <laughs> yeah, you gotta. 
Yeah, like how do? What are you talking about? I think if I had any major beef with the comedy world, it would be that relationship with rehearsal. That's why I respect the Herald Night people so much at UCB. Is because yeah, they get to perform for this sold out house every Tuesday and crush it, but they're also working their asses off in rehearsal. Yeah, Three yeah. hours every single week for a Herald only. No other form, the just the Herald. That's a lot of rehearsal. So kudos to them. I love that. I love the I love the work ethic. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I'm trying to figure out is how much time is going in to figuring out what the show is and rehearsing that show before you present anything at all in front of an audience with pop roulette we it, it depends on when our show is we're forced by deadline right I mean, we, us too yeah so it's like one of those things where i wish i could give you kind of like a set parameter but i all i can say is that there's a writing phase and then there's the tighten up that riding phase, punch ups. And then there's the get that shit on your feet. And luckily, everyone's such a good performer that you can get it on your feet in two rehearsals if need be. Right. Oh, certainly. Yeah. But I mean, Pop it- Roulette's lucky that we had a backlog because then what we get to do is stage like three things. But then we do five things we already had. But then we were doing shows where we were staging all new stuff, so we needed more time for that. So two months would be those rehearsal processes. But if we had a show on three weeks from now, we would put in like six things to ten things that were from the backlog, and then like five new things, and keep the staging simple, delegate line memorization. Like I would say the pop roulette's process was way more... Like, you do this, you do this, you get this done, you get this done, Dave, choreograph this. Whereas with Maud, it's like the director choreographs, the director delegates everything, and the director uh, is just much more um, the head head of everything. Right. But in terms of the time commitment for anything, I think the deadline is huge. Uh, because w- comedians are lazy people. They, we are, and improvisers especially. I mean, we are indulging in an art form that requires so little preparation, but yet treating it as if we're doing all the preparation. Like musicians and opera singers, they practice every day for like four to eight hours. Yeah, and and we can practice, but we it requires other people. It requires um, space. Like you can't practice improv alone in your room. Yeah, not really. Don't you could do maybe a couple of like exercises that just open up your mind, but you can't do a scene unless right. you're doing working on a one person show. Yeah, you're working on a one person show. <laughs> I heard that there's a a one man improv exercise Ian Roberts working on, and there's a whole book by Viola Spolin of solo improv stuff. But I don't know how that would. I think it's more for the theater. I think it's more for short form, and I think it's not for the long form improviser. So I guess my answer, as convoluted as it may seem, is is it depends. It really depends on when your show is coming up. But I'm a strong advocate for as much freaking writing and as much freaking rewrites as possible, because then what you get to do is you get to edit. So I'd rather overwrite than edit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of be precious up top and keep everything and then not cut anything because that's how you fall in love with bad jokes oh yeah you you gotta have your jokes go up into the audience and then you gotta hear them either kill or fail and and then and keep working on it until the whole thing is an a plus from top to bottom is there a process like that with um with mod I mean, it's the first time you perform as a team. Is it a finished product or is it still a work in progress? I, mod is built to be a work in progress. Mod isn't like, look at this finalized product that's going to stay this way forever. It's meant to be a monthly review mm. for everybody and a way to generate material so that when jobs come up, you have tons of stuff. And Mod is so good because it's like, Character people get new characters. Writers get new writers. So by the time that 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 Daily Show, that uh, whatever Mad TV new CW reboot comes out or whatever, and UCB people are applying, they have pages of characters, pages of all that stuff, and they did it on mod. So they're like, well, I do this character on mod. Yeah, yeah that's great. 
Yeah. And I guess pop roulette is more of the, we already know what this show is going to be before our first performance. Right. Except for like with Amazing Earth, it's its own animal. Like Amazing Earth has a narrative. So we had to, we had to block that whole thing as if it was like a musical. Mm-hmm. Whereas with our old reviews, we knew how, we had a song called Haters Are My Motivation. We know how that song goes. We have a song called um, uh, Beautiful Young. We know how that goes. So it's um, we, we were lucky that we could plug into certain pieces. I want to talk some more about practice, but more just how to have focused practice and in, in a, in a hard practice. I've heard a little bit, I think you were quoted in a Splitsider article about how, I believe it was how North Coast practices about how hard you guys work in practice to make sure uh-huh. things are good. What is that process in in practice? Uh, well, North Coast still works with a director in rehearsal, coach, and we push ourselves to not be comfortable in terms of always refining new skill sets Mm -hmm. so lately we've been working on hip-hop reform a musical improv form right but we also we're working a lot on choreography before that improvised musical choreography is i think one of the most ignored parts of musical improv Mm -hmm. and if you had a team that could really nail improvised choreo i think they would be one of the most famous improv teams of all time because that shit is pure joy to watch. I still remember when uh, North Coast did the life jacket at NCCAF in 2014. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that, that the crowd went nuts. I hadn't <laughs> seen it before either because it was improvised. So I, had, I went nuts too, and I had seen you all perform before. <laughs> but yeah. it was amazing where it was just amazing. Top the bottom. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was a fun moment. That photo gives me a lot of joy to to look at. Me too. <laughs> Ray Rowe, I'm a life jacket. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we we do rehearse hard, but we rehearse fun. Like, we like each other. We walk in and it's like, oh, Jimmy Toots. Like, we like love to call each other dumbass names and everybody walks in. But I'll tell you this right now. If people are later than 15 minutes to rehearsal, I'm a dick to them. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend like it's okay to be consistently late to North Coast rehearsal. One, two times I've been late. We've all been. We've all been late. Life happens. I understand that. But there have been instances in the seven years we've been a team where someone's consistently late, and um, it kind of slid in the beginning. We would let that shit go. But I'll tell you right now, dude, that if that happens consistently now, there's too much on the line at this point. And what's on the line is our quality. Yeah. And integrity. And integrity. And group mind comes from those times spent together. So as as maybe like as, uh, what is it? You know, I I don't want to be seen as like a because I do kind of manage the group. I have someone that helps me now, but because I kind of have seen as the figurehead of the group, I I'm the one that feels responsible if I see things slipping in terms of professionalism. I think that's one of the things that maybe came off in the Split Sider article. It's like, yeah, we rehearse hard, but we rehearse smart, and we rehearse like. I, tr- I just treat it like I would treat a show that I would want to be professional. So if it's good enough for an off-Broadway show or if it's good enough for a Broadway show, then why isn't it good enough for North Coast? Yeah. And uh, so about integrity, how do you cultivate that integrity to where everyone's on the same page of, okay, I understand why we need to work this hard in practice and show up on time and show up to practice? Well, because I think everybody understands what comes from that. So I think everybody understands, oh, if we all rehearse really hard, there's the opportunity for better gigs down the line. Mm -hmm. I think everybody on North Coast would love to do it as a job one day. But that'll never happen if you don't take it seriously in the beginning. Um, And I also think that in terms of integrity, it's just like... You can be in that team that doesn't do it seriously, but like on North Coast, like your coach is free, your rehearsal's free. So there's, I think there's like a respect issue too, where it's like y- y- there's a certain like 
I don't want to say privilege, but like the fact that we've been together for so long, like you kind of have to respect that when you walk in the room. So I don't want, I don't want that to feel light in terms of like, if you don't respect the group, you're kind of saying, oh, this thing that had people before me and might have people after me doesn't matter to me. People kind of have to know what the benefit is. Yeah. Sometimes the glory, uh, like if you're here in South Carolina, the glory isn't working professionally in entertainment, except for like a couple of people. But most Mm -hmm. people, uh, that's not their intent. Um, But there's still the glory of just having done something great and worked hard to do it. Yeah. Uh, That to me says that's integrity. You mentioned that if you'll call people out and you'll practice hard, but you'll also practice fun. So how do you strike that balance that keeps people having fun, uh, keeps people enjoying uh, the practice, even though it's grueling practice and they were late and they were yelled at? I wouldn't say grueling or yelled at, but (laughs) I think that grueling is, is like that, that to me, the images that come up when you say grueling are like people sweating, doing (laughs) pushups. I think that we're having a freaking blast for cracking up in rehearsal. Right. We're having so much fun, but I think by grueling, it's just the fact that it's like, we're doing this, like, let's rehearse, like, Mm -hmm. let's get off our cell phones. Focus. Okay. yeah. Yeah. It's attentive and it's focused. Yeah, yeah, and we're really working together throughout the whole rehearsal. It's not like four people are, like, really in it, and then three people are, like, running to the bathroom constantly. Right. So, how do we get that, is the question? Yeah, how do you how do you uh, uh, get there? I think it's the precedent of that's how this goes. Uh, people understand that. When they join the team, we send them a big welcome email. And the email says, you're going to get a ton of emails because you're on this group. Now that you've joined North Coast, be prepared for your inbox to never be the same. (laughs) Then the uh, other component of that is, if you're a member of North Coast, you're expected to be at rehearsal. If you miss two in a row, it's a problem. Um, And I think because when people join the group, we make that clear that rehearsal is a priority to us. Email responses are a priority to us. I think people realize that when they walk in the room, we're not fucking around either. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's just, it just comes with it. But at the same time, I'm not trying to create an energy that is creatively stifling. Right, it's, exactly. It, it's it's an energy that is just basically, here's, here's my bottom line. Respect for the work. Fun, yet res- respect for the work. That's it. There was something you were talking about with regards to group mind mm-hmm. and uh, where it comes from and how it comes from hanging out with each other. And I kind of it made me realize if somebody is perpetually late or there are always a distraction in practice because they're I don't, just not trying hard or not mm-hmm. focusing at all. Yeah. And so then people get embittered. Yeah. Then that hurts group mind because what's on everyone's mind is uh, something a negative thought about other people in the room. Absolutely. It's not a to-do, it's a not-to-do. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you don't learn how to do something by being told what not to do. Right. Which is why I think people who don't want to be there should just remove themselves from the group. If they would rather be on their cell phone or they're thinking about how they would wish they were at the beach in Charleston, it's like, all right, well, go to the beach in Charleston. You know what I mean? Right. There are people who want to be here. Yeah, it just slows down, I think, momentum mm-hmm. uh, when people aren't all attentive and, and there and present in practice yeah. and, and doing the work. Uh, the totally. grueling work of joking around. <laughs> grueling, sweating. I'm a, I'm, it's so horrible. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, we have such a good time. We just take our fun. It's, we just take the fun seriously. That's it. Right. Yeah. And like, I think sometimes I hear a lot in uh, this phrase and I don't know where people picked it up from. So I don't know if it's uh, something people in New York say of, Hey, bit timeout. Let's do a timeout on doing bits right now. Oh my God. I have not heard that. I like it though. Yes. Yeah, she yeah. get a whistle. It comes, yeah, exactly. It comes from like the host is trying to explain the structure of the show, 
uh, that we're about to do in an hour or 30 minutes from now, and people are just, like, goofing around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. I noticed that during the improvaganza I was just at. They could have used a bit timeout. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's kind of like save it for the stage. Like, yes, we're here to have fun, um, but if you're joking around as a distraction from us doing what we're trying to do, then you need to stop doing <laughs> Right. And it's always fun to be the person that's having fun, and then you realize you're being the dick, and you're like, oh, <laughs> fuck. But I was having so much fun. Like, <laughs> like ugh, God, like, I, I wish I didn't have to make things more professional like i wish i could just dick around all the time you know what i mean but the truth is is that i'm also addicted to a higher quality of show so it's like you have to basically figure out like how much fun can we have while still getting the work done yeah yeah certainly bit time out yes bit time out it's a good one well uh i don't want to take too much of your time uh oh no i'm i'm yours dude Whatever you want to chat about. I think I've picked your brain on uh, everything I had in mind. Yeah. Uh, we've gone a while here. Um, I've gotten a lot of good stuff. Learned a lot of good stuff. Yay. So what should we, at the end of the show, I, uh, we always try to create something together. What could okay. we, based on what we've been talking about, uh, what could we create together? Hmm. I don't know. Um... We could try to come up with a song. Yeah. You want me to grab my guitar? Uh, if you want to, yeah. I'm, I'm down it's, with that. I'm not much of a singer, though. Well, you're going to sing now, baby. <laughs> Let me see. Can I plug this thing in real quick? Yeah. God, I love that I came off like a freaking insane person in this podcast. No, I don't think so at all. If you're late, I'll decapitate you. <laughs> Nah, everybody respects it. Everybody gets it. It's a good atmosphere when everyone's on the same page. All right, here we go. All right. What do you want to sing about, Jason? Let's see, uh, what is a, what's a thing going on that we can... The sit-in? Yeah, there's the sit-in. Uh, we, we could do an old sort of 60s-style uh, folk song about the sit-in. Perfect. But the, the reason for the sit-in, is it too sad? Too sad? I don't know, kind of, because it's about gun control, because of what happened. Yeah, yeah you're right. I guess you would have to focus on the thing that's not the saddest, which is the fact that they have to do a sit-in for this. Well, I saw a picture... Yeah, exactly. Well, I saw a picture of Elizabeth Warren with a bunch of Dunkin' Donuts walking back into Congress. Okay, sit-ins run on Dunkin'. We could do a commercial for Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. (laughs) Why don't you start it off? I'll play guitar. You start it off, Jason. I don't even know how to start off. What, do I need to? Do I need to rhyme? No, definitely. Just know your point of view. That's all that matters. Okay. When there's a sit-in, you gotta eat too. When there's a sit-in, darling, you still gotta eat. You, even though you're sitting, you gotta find the bathroom at Congress, cause you know you'll be shitting. Runs on Duncan. Congress runs on Duncan. Citizens run on Duncan. Even though it's a sit in, we can still run on Duncan. 
Congress runs on Duncan. Duncan. There it is. <laughs> there you go. We found it. Probably your worst one ever, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find my inner uh, Johnny Cash. Then yeah. I lost it. Congress uh, <laughs> runs on Duncan. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for being here, Doug. Of course, Jason. It was a pleasure. Douglas Wittick, such a good guy. I was very thankful to have him on the podcast, and we barely scratched the surface for what we could have talked about with him. I've seen him do so many things on stage by this point. He's, he's such a great performer. I'd like to have him on again just to talk about how he performs I've, between North Coast and Pop Roulette, and I've, I've seen him do a two-person improv show that was a rap show uh, that was great. I don't know how he does it. I should have him on just to talk about that. This episode could not have fully done him justice, and he was still great. I hope you learned about how you can do the work you create justice. Work hard, respect the work, have fun, and of course, put in the grueling, grueling hours so that you can sweat it all out. To find out more about Doug, go to douglaswittick.com. That's W-I-D-I-C-K. And you can follow him on Twitter at D Wittick. Find out more about North Coast at northcoastnyc.com. And they also perform every Saturday at 9 at the Pit in New York City. But this Friday and Saturday, they're going to have a crew down in Sarasota, Florida for the Sarasota Improv Festival. So if you were down there and you're listening to this, please go to that. You will enjoy yourself immensely. If you're interested in Pop Roulette, go to poproulettecomedy.com. That's poproulettecomedy.com. You can see some videos and find out about their shows on that site. Today's episode was sponsored in part by the early support of wonderful people like Darren Hudak, Karen Pear Williams, and TJ Grandy. Thank you for your support. Uh, We've been getting people supporting the podcast since I've started. It's uh, very, very nice. I I don't even have the words to say how thankful I am. If anyone else would like to support the podcast, you can at thereitispod.com. You can donate one time or monthly. May you all have their-itis. Follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes. Follow the podcast at thereitispod.com. Well, there it is, another episode of There It Is. In next week's episode, I have a co-founder of Theater 99 in Charleston, South Carolina, the great Greg Tavares. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.